All right, let's turn to the book of Isaiah tonight. We'll be in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 53. Isaiah 53, that's where we'll start this evening. And uh, we're going to use our Bibles a good bit tonight. And uh, so you'll want to keep them uh, close to you. And we'll be going, uh, after Isaiah 53, we'll be going to the book of Matthew. And we'll be looking at several different passages uh, tonight, I'm going to bring the Bible study that I had scheduled for last Wednesday night, and of course, I was not able to be here last Wednesday night, and so uh, it is certainly uh, a timely Bible study, and I think it'll be a help to us. It's good to see Jason and Jessica Stanley. I don't know if this is your first service since you've been in the States or not. I haven't been here, so I don't know, and so um, I didn't want to not acknowledge you if would y'all stand so everybody can look at y'all real quick? I'm just kidding. Uh, Isaiah, so you've been here in a service. Okay, very good. Anybody else been here this past week that I didn't know about? No? Okay, all right. Isaiah 53, look at me in verse number 3. He is despised and rejected of men. Of course, it's a speaking of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is despised and rejected of men. What a sad statement about the Son of God, who came to pay man's sin debt. Uh, it's something that we need to be reminded of to keep in perspective. This world system, this world hates Jesus Christ. That's why this is, has nothing to do with the Bible story. That's why every false religion has created another Jesus. Uh, you take every cult, every false religion, their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. It's because this world hates Christ. He is despised and rejected of men, Notice what the rest of this verse says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, and we hid as it, it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Notice in verse number 3, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Verse 4 goes on to say, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I find it interesting that of all the things that could be said about our Lord, what he says about himself, he wants us to know he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I want to use that verse and that phrase to teach on this subject tonight. Acquainted with Christ through sorrow. This world claims to want to be like Christ. I'm going to submit to you tonight that you cannot be like Christ without sorrows. Uh, he is a God of love. Aren't you thankful for that? He is a God of forgiveness. He's all those things. I cannot love like Jesus loves. Neither can you. I cannot forgive like Christ forgives. He's the standard. With the help of the Spirit, we can rise above our flesh. You follow me? But I can be identified with Christ. There's a lot of ways for us to be identified with Christ. That's why it's important that we follow what the Bible says when it comes to separation and holiness. Too many times as Christians, we're more in, inclined to be identified with this world than we are with Christ. But I want to speak tonight on acquainted with Christ through sorrow, or are we acquainted with sorrow? Father, help us tonight. 
as we look into your word. Uh, may we be helped by it. I pray that uh, we will take note of these things this evening. May they strengthen us in our daily walk. May they help us uh, as we serve you. And uh, Father, may we allow ourselves to grow closer and closer to you. We ask these in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, certainly, uh, Jesus came understanding what was expected of him, what was required of him. He knew the will of the Father. John 3.16 reminds us of his purpose. Jesus speaks of himself and says he, in, in the book of Mark, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, there is something, uh, a part of the Christian life that I think we don't talk about enough, and that is if we are going to be acquainted with the Lord and be as close to him as we can be with him, uh, then there's going to have to be sorrow uh, that we have to experience. We have to be acquainted with sorrow. Uh, people who have things in common, there's a connection there, uh, even, when, uh, they, they, even when there's nothing else in common. I'll give you an example. Football season is coming, and uh, when football season gets here, people who like the same team, uh, you can put 80,000 of them, or in the Jaguars' case, you could put 80 of them in a stadium, and uh, they can all be wearing the same color, and they all are going to cheer. They all have a passion, and they'll fight anybody else who's not cheering. Why well, they have that in common? Christ understood sorrow. He understood grief. It's a way that we are acquainted with Him when we experience those same emotions, when we go through things that. Um, uh, uh, that uh, he went through. Uh, the book of uh, Matthew, very quickly. I want you to see some things in the book of uh, Matthew. And uh, I was asked before service how long of a Bible study, and I said this is an eight paperclip night, so that gives you an idea. So uh, the book of Matthew, chapter number five, <clears throat> Matthew chapter number five, and Jesus is teaching, and this is often, this is the Beatitudes, this is um, uh, the teaching in chapter number 5 of the book of Matthew, and uh, he goes through with this passage of Scripture, the first part of this chapter, and he tells us, blessed is this group of people, and blessed are these, and blessed are those that uh, experience this and go through this. And so look at verse number 4, uh, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I've been, I've, I've, Lord's put several messages on my heart for the last several months when I have mentioned God never promises us a trouble-free life. When we got saved, we got our sins forgiven. Aren't you thankful for that? We have a home in heaven. We have, we have a future promise to us where there is no sorrow, there is no sin, there is no heartache, there's no results of sin. But on this side of eternity, God never promised us a life without storms. And many Christians show their lack of understanding of the Word of God and what God has for them when they throw their hands up in the air, I can't believe this is happening to me. Well, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us life happens. So God never tells us that we are going to have a tear-free life. As a matter of fact, Jesus teaches his disciples, and we're touching on some of this tonight, it's going to be the opposite, and I'm going to explain to you why this evening. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples and say, if you're going to be like me, you better be ready to mourn. But when you do mourn, you're going to be comforted. Verse number 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus is teaching them that those who follow me, follow Christ, you're going to be persecuted. 
Why? Is it because you have a bad personality? No, it's for righteousness sake. This will help you tonight. Don't listen to why they say they're persecuting. It's for righteousness sake. If you're going to be righteous like Christ, you will be persecuted no matter what excuse they tell you it is. Jesus said, for righteousness sake. Say, well, I know so-and-so, and in this group, they're not persecuted. It's probably, well, for righteousness sake. Verse number 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. Why am I bringing this up? Because of what Jesus, Jesus is the example of everything we deal with in life. He's the example of emotions we have to deal with. He's the example of how we are to react or better act when we face circumstances in life. But what is the response to this? Verse 12, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why should you be glad about being persecuted? Why should you be glad about uh, facing uh, those, that, those that revile you? Why should you be glad when you mourn? Because you're not very happy about it when you're going through all that. But there's a reason. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus is going to also teach his disciples that uh, you think, and I'm paraphrasing, you think they're going to treat you better than they treat me? The truth is no. What am I teaching? I'm not teaching we should get ready for this, all these things that are happening, which we, we ought to be ready for that. But what I'm reminding all of us is when you experience sorrows, that's what Jesus experienced. He was called the man of sorrows. He carried upon himself the burdens of every man. You know what this sin has caused? Sin has called, caused sorrow. God never intended for there to be sorrow in this world. But sin brings sorrows. Why would God allow? But it's sin. There's, there's consequences of sin. Uh, that's, this world is full of hurts and sorrows. Now, we will say, I want to be associated with Jesus. We would say, I want to be like him. And there's nothing wrong with making those statements or having those thoughts in our mind. It is what we should strive to be, like our Savior. Let me just remind us to help us tonight. You have to read about your Savior to know how to be like your Savior. You've got to study your Savior to know how to be like your Savior. Uh, you've got to be willing to make sacrifices to be like your Savior. You have to let the Spirit of God help you become what, humanly speaking, you're not able to become. But if that's truly our goal, one way that God allows us to be like his son is through sorrows. Is through, uh, bear, he bore our grief. He's the man of sorrows. He, he could have, in Isaiah, as that prophet is, is, is speaking of his crucifixion and paying our sin debt, he could have called him a man of love. He could have called him a man of, of forgiveness, and that would have been true, but he's a man of sorrows. Acquainted with our grief. Now, let me give you some ways tonight. I'll get to the outline let me give you some ways that we experience sorrow that will draw us closer to God. Let me ask you a question. You know the answer to this. Does God want you to be closer to him? Yes or no? Absolutely. Do you want to be closer to God? God will allow things to come into our life so that we have an opportunity to be closer to him Otherwise, it wouldn't, we ourselves, our flesh, would not allow us to get closer to him. 
I'll give you an illustration. Do you pray more when you're in trouble or pray less when you're in trouble? We pray more. It, it is, it, do we really believe in our heart? It's standing on this book when we're not being tested, or does, do we, does it show when we're, being, when we're being tested? I believe God allows things to come in the life of every Christian that you're going to get to a place where you don't have the, the, the knowledge, the wisdom, the strength, the understanding to get through it. You've got to depend completely on God to remind us that we cannot make it without him, but also remind us that's the way we should be living every day. We should be completely dependent on him. Now, let me give you some ways that we don't normally think of <clears throat> to allow us to be acquainted with Christ through sorrow. Let me give you number one, and this list is, I think will be helpful tonight. Number one, we must be hated. Well, that's, that's a good one to start with, huh? John 15, verses 18 through 25. Jesus is teaching, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of, this, not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, that the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept me saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not, need, not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they, would not, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. The reality is that this world does hate Christ. And if we're going to be acquainted with him in our sorrow, if we're going to experience that sorrow that tied knits us to him, we must be hated. Now, none of us like to be. I didn't say uh, that we must be hated and like it. This isn't speaking of just being the kind of person that is just a jerk. Uh, there's some people that are easy to hate. That's not what I'm talking about. But we must be hated, and Jesus says, if they hate me, if you are of me, they're going to hate you too. Let me remind you, who's the prince and the power of, of, of the air, of this world? Who has the dominion over it? God has given him dominion for, for a period of time. It's our adversary, the devil. How can someone who hates the Lord possibly still love you and me if we love the Lord and are close to him? Think about that. If those that hate our Savior, hate this book, hate everything that he represents and stands for, how can they be your best buddy? Now, it's not a pleasant thing. We will be hated because we are identified with the one that the world hates. We must expect it and realize that it will only draw us nearer to him. We must, you know, when, when this kind of thing takes place, it helps us to know who is who. I want to be like Christ. I want to be identified with Christ. I can be acquainted with Christ through sorrow that I experience. Let me use the Apostle Paul. Before he met Christ, he was the persecutor of Christians. He was popular. But the moment he met Jesus, and he gave, his, he gave everything to Christ... 
now who was the most popular with one crowd, became the hated enemy. What did that do? Did that make Paul bitter? No, it pushed him closer to his Savior. Uh, it, it allowed him to become closer to the Lord. So, friend, I bring this up tonight um, to remind us that this world is never going to love somebody who's following Christ. They're go they going to resist. They're going to reject. The Bible tells us that we will be hated. You, you see what is going on in the political spect spectrum of the last few years and the hate and the venom and you know, you're talking about, oh, hey, babies have a chance to live and just uh, the hate and the things that have been said. And make no mistake about it, some of those people would put you and I to death if they could get away with it. It's not because we're a Republican. Republicans aren't making a difference. It's the righteous that makes the difference. It's the righteous. It's because we hold to this Right here. And so we are hated by that. There's a lot of Christians who make compromise. That's why your favorite politician, the majority of them, that they will run for office on one platform. As soon as they get there, they will make deals and compromise. Why? Because they don't want to be hated. They don't want people to hate them. And a lot of churches nowadays are softening their, the message of Christ because they don't want to be hated. Friend, Christ was hated. For the same world to hate, I, I don't like for people not to like me, especially, I mean, as lovable as I am, everybody should. I thought I'd get a better response than that, but you get the point I'm making, number two. If we're going to be acquainted with Christ through sorrow, we must all have trials. 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1, and I'm going to read verse 7. And I'll get started if you catch up with me. That's fine. If you want to just listen, you can mark down the reference. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 14. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. The Bible is telling us, don't think it's strange when you go through a trial because the trial is there to try you. Makes sense, doesn't it? Verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. Trials, listen very carefully, trials represent temptations with extreme circumstances. It is a type of of torturous effort in an attempt to make us deny the Lord or to step out of line from Him. Listen very carefully. A trial is more than something to hurt us. It is something that tests us. Think about that. God allows trials to come into our life. They have a purpose. It's to try us, to test us. You know... Some people would like school if there wasn't test. Um, that's how you know, that's how the teacher knows if you're paying attention because you get tested to see how, what you know. It is easy, Christian, 
to produce a doctrinal statement or a code of standards. It's a lot different when you get out there and it gets tested. Young people, it's easy to say, this is what I believe about this and this and this and this. Graduate from high school, go out there and get a job, go out there into this world when everybody else, as soon as pressure comes, they're running from what God has said. You know what it is? They are revealing how little it means for them to be associated with Christ. That trial is a, it tries us to test us. For example, gold is refined of its impurities by fire. We know this. But think about this. It is gold no matter what. Gold is purified when you put it in a fire. We know that. Before it's put through the fire, is it still gold? Yes. But when it's put through the fire and the impurities are removed, is it more valuable gold? Is it, quote, let me say it this way, a better version of that gold because the impurities have been removed? It was still gold. But now there's more value to it. There's more that can be done with it. We can, we're still a child of Christ, but when we go through that fiery trial... God allows us to go through those things to purify us. It's amazing that in, in, in so many lives of a Christian, it's a, it's a bad thing to want to be more Christ-like. Well, I don't want to be labeled as a fanatic. No, we ought to be like Christ. And sometimes these things are reflected on the outside, but most of the time when we go through these trials, it's because of the impurities that we have on the inside. All of us at some point in our life, if not tonight, we have a greater dependence on ourselves than we should. Sometimes God puts us through a trial to allow us to have, learn that we need to have a greater dependence on Christ. Sometimes there's only one way God can remove something from us, and it's to allow us to go through a trial. But at the same time, God likes to put us, allow us to go through trials because it allows us to prove our love for the Lord. You know, it's easy to say that you love God no matter what when everybody around you is saying the same thing. But what about when you're the only one? What about when somebody turns their back on you? What about when God allows difficult circumstances to come into your life? Well, I gave God my life and he still allowed this. Well, you get to prove that you love God the way you said you did. And it allows us to get impurities. We must all have trials. So don't think it's strange, Christian, if you had to go through a fiery trial because it is there to purify you. Number three, we must endure tribulations. There's an important distinction between a trial and a tribulation that I'm going to point out, and I think this will help us tonight if we'll allow it. John 16, verse 33 is what I'll read. John 16, 33 says, These things... I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Okay, this is so critical in the Christian life. 
Jesus saying, these things I have spoken to you, these instructions, these things that he's taught them, so that in me, in Christ, you might have peace. You know where peace comes from? Christ. Peace comes from knowing you're standing in Christ as a child of God, but peace also comes in your identification with Christ. And I'm preaching this some Sunday morning. It, it's a, there's so much peace that will come in the life of a Christian if he'll just draw his lines, this is where I stand, everybody knows where I stand, I'm not budging. There's a lot of peace with that. The reason why a lot of Christians don't have peace is you've never decided that you're going to be identified with Christ. He says that's where peace is. I mean, not everybody likes where I stand, but I have perfect peace. I have peace about it because I believe it identifies me with Christ. What does he say? In the world, you shall have tribulation. So what's Jesus saying? You have two choices. In me, you have peace, but in the world, you are going to have tribulation. So remember your relationship because he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. What is that tribulation? A tribulation or an affliction is what the world does to us because of our stand for Christ and because of their hatred for him. For example, the Egyptians afflicted the children of Israel. The world will afflict us. Now, it's important to understand the distinction between a trial and a tribulation. A trial is something God allows us to go through to purify us. Pastor, I don't know why I'm going through this. It could be because it's a trial to purify you. How are you going to come out of it? When the heat is on, the pressure builds, how are you going to come out of it? Well, I, I, thought I, was, I think I'm going to lose everything. Well, did you only love God? Did you only serve God because you had those things? It's a proving ground. I heard this when I was younger, and every young preacher, everything you declare that you believe, it's going to be tested. It was shocking to me when I discovered, when I said, I believe this is the inspired, perfect word of God. There are other preachers who would test me on that. I've lost friends because I believe this is the Bible. There are positions I have taken. I've been challenged and been proved by the people who even taught me in Bible college about th things of this book. That's a trial. Do I believe what I really believe? As a pastor, there's going to be somebody that comes in from time to time and wants to challenge. What's well, a trial? It's to purify. Tribulation is different. Tribulation is an affliction because of who we are. Because of our standing, Jesus said you're going to have to endure afflictions. I read John 15 uh, in uh, verse 20 to you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have kept me, saying they will keep yours also. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Uh, but, uh, I, I'm sorry, I read the wrong reference. Acts 14, verse 21, 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Okay, this explains why through the years our church have, has endured tribulations. I believe there's been times when God purifies his church. There's other times 
we go through tribulations because we have a world that hates the message that we preach. And by the way, what crowd was it that rejected Christ? It was the religious world. What crowd martyred the apostles? The religious world. It's not going to be a different crowd that afflicts God's people today. Uh, We must endure tribulations. The sorrow may seem heavy when we we endure tribulations, but in the Old Testament, we see that tribulation always caused people to turn to the Lord. The Lord comforts us, and we draw closer to his fellowship as he sees a suffering affliction as he did for us. Are you willing to endure tribulation for your Savior? You know, there's so much has been said in this day, and there is, it is a trying time in our nation, to say the least. And there are things taking place that you read in history books, and you see in things of, you know, the undoing of, of, of nations and things of that nature. All those things have taken place. But let me tell you what, what it is really all about. It's about God's people. It's about God's words, about what is right about what is wrong, and say, what happens if it could? we must endure tribulations? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm not one that's somewhere this way with, when everything that, that came out, and I'm for everybody being safe and all those kind of things, but a government does not have a right to say when a church can and cannot meet. You know, we, we're going through all that COVID things. I wanted to keep everybody safe. But I had, to, I had to reevaluate and say, what if we start to meet again and they come in and say, you can't meet or else? So what is that? That's a tribulation. Um, what if where you work, your corporation goes woke? And you get, per- that there's some tribulations you may have to deal with. Uh, this is different than some personal things that come in our life. There are trials that God, I hope this is making sense to you. Why does God, why do we have to do those? It, 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 it builds our relationship with Jesus. There are many who, I, I love Christ, I, I'm a Christian, I want to serve Him, and this whole world pushes back on that because this world hates Christ. And they say, well, I didn't know it was going to cost me that. Well, they really didn't have the dedication that they needed to have for Christ. Trials come into our life. That's why when I see a, see a, see one of our, see a Christian go through a, a trial, go through some things, and boy, I really pray for them, and I, and, and I really want to be an encouragement to them because it is a purifying time. I can think of times in my own life when you come out the other side, you, you feel a closeness to God, you have a greater ability in your Christian life, you, you, you're closer to your Savior because of those trials. Why? Because God got stuff out of us that needed to get out of us. Then you have those tribulations. You know, you know when, when you read of the martyrs, you read in Hebrews 11, those unnamed martyrs. And we look at our situation, we say, oh, we got it so tough. We have to take such a strong stand for Christ. Are we willing to lay down our life for him? Are we willing to lay down our life for Christ? So, well, well, I, you know, I I can answer that in many cases. If you're not willing to separate from the world, you're not willing to lay down your life. 
I mean, you get pressure on Facebook, and it's like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? You, I mean, are, really, let's get down to it. Are we willing to lay down? Are we willing to lay our head on the chopping block for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we willing to lose a job for Jesus? Are we willing to lose standing in this world? There are tribulations that are going to come. We should. In, what are we supposed to do? Jesus never said, like them. He said, endure them. You know what a big part of life is? Enduring. Enduring. Number four. This is not the last one, just so you know. I've hinted about this one, but we must endure persecution. Matthew 5, which we've already read, tells us that there are going to become times of persecution. So what's the difference in a tribulation and a persecution? The tribulation is because of our position, because of our stand for Christ, because of their hatred for Him, there's going to be an affliction. There's going to be a prejudice towards the Christian. A persecution, the difference is, if I could just explain it like this, there's feet to that affliction. You can be minding your own business. Now, okay, a, a tribulation can be, I've got two people, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a manager, I'm a boss, and I've got two people, uh, one position, and two to promote. This one's really more qualified, but I know they're a Christian. I'm going to overlook them. That's a tribulation you've got to get through. And I can use other examples there, but a persecution is we're going to go out of our way. For example, there are those that get on the Internet and just look for people they can persecute. Number one, that's evil. But what is that? That's a persecution. We must endure persecution. There are those that lobby local government, state governments, federal government to preaching that is against sin, to have it labeled as a hate sin and make it illegal. You say, is that really going on? Oh, it's going on all over. They, they, they're trying that. What is that? That is feet to the, to the affliction. That's a persecution. Say, Pastor, what happens if they pass that? What, what happens if they say? Well, I guess we're going to find out who really wants to be associated with Christ. Just like in that series I preached through on a Sunday morning, standing to the cross, there were a lot of people who were around when he fed the 5,000, but when he was nailed to the cross, they were nowhere to be found. And if that time comes, we'll find out who liked their bellies full when they were hungry, but they weren't willing to go all the way and be identified with Christ. And we find that today, we must endure persecutions. They aggressively pursue us. The world does not want us here, so they will do their best to chase us away. Let me kind of illustrate this. I'm going to need all three of you men. Let me see. Amos, you come up here. Brian, you come up here. But Stanley, I'll let you be the Christian. Is that okay? You guys are the wicked world. Just kind of huddle around here. You stay there. You come around here. For like There you go. But Stanley, you, you stand right in the middle of the world. But Stanley is, he's lost. You pray for him. He's, he's lost. He, he needs Christ. One day, he hears the plan of salvation. The Lord begins to work in his heart. The Spirit of God brings him under conviction. He puts his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remind you a couple weeks ago, all that happens in that moment 
Oh, I mean, he, under conviction, his record has changed in heaven in that instant. The blood of Christ is applied to his record. So if you look through his record in that instant, there's nothing there but the record of Christ. The Spirit of God seals you into the day of redemption. He's a changed man. Now, at first, he's not changed on the outside, but he's changed on the inside. As a matter of fact, if you don't get changed on the inside, the outside don't matter much. Because the outside ain't getting you to heaven. But if you change on the inside and you grow in Christ, what does that mean? You fall in love with Jesus and you try to get as close to him as you possibly can. So along the way, does God, God cared enough to send his son to die for Robbie Stanley. Do we agree with that? Yes, just like he did with everybody. So now that he's a child of God, God is still concerned with his spiritual growth. He has a plan for him, just like he has a plan for all of us. He wants him to grow. He wants him to mature. He wants him to pursue that relationship, to be close to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to purify him. He wants him to lay down his old habits. He wants him to be that new man. Why? Because there's a testimony. There's others that Jesus died for too and that God wants to be saved. But he, like all of us, we're, we live it in this world. So he gets saved and he's got his friends. He's got his way of life. He has all of these people. So God wants to purify him. He's starting to grow. He comes to church, and he starts coming to the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Here's the best preacher in the world, and he's just like, man, I am fired up. I thought I'd be a bigger response to that too, but, you know, he starts growing. And by the way, that's the greatest way to get somebody to grow is just get them in church and let them hear the Word of God preached, let the Spirit of God work in their life. If they really want to grow, they'll grow. Pray for them. He's growing. But he's only going to grow so much unless there's a fire applied. Are you with me? Jesus knows what it's like to bear sorrows of the world. You think about when Jesus was nailed to that cross, every burden he fell on his shoulders. Not every burden of that day, every burden of every man that was as a result of sin, every sin. He's a man of sorrows. Jesus cared in a way that you and I are not capable of carrying. So, fire has to be applied. Now already, this world hates Jesus. So fire has to be applied to him, and when he goes through a trial, there's, as new Christians sometimes, like, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why this is going on. But you and I need to be reminded that God allows us to go, have the, go through the fire. Why? Think about this. There are things inside of us that we don't even realize are there. Do we just go move in our everyday life so quick? We don't realize there is that pride in our heart until that fire is applied. We don't realize that self-dependence was there until God put us in a situation where we were not capable of being dependent on. So therefore, he's starting to remove those impurities. He goes through that trial. But then there's also the tribulation. If we're going to have that relationship, that acquaintance with Christ as that man of sorrow, there's going to be a tribulation. Now, he's in the world. He's growing. He's becoming more like Jesus. I've illustrated this in another way. If you remember how I illustrated before, you got Christ on one side, the world on one side. 
The closer you get to Jesus, you don't have to worry about leaving the world. If you get closer to Jesus, it's just a natural thing. That's what separation is. That's why it's easy to tell which Christian is separate and which Christian is not. Because you can't be close to the world and close to Christ. The closer you get to Christ, the further away, the more you stick out in this world. Anybody out there? The more you resemble this world, the less you resemble Christ. So he's just living, and all of a sudden, he's living inside. He's going to trials, every trial, the tribulation is because it's affliction because he's the Christian now. Oh, preacher man, you don't go out with us on Friday night? Oh, and the affliction that comes because he is in the world. But he continues to grow, and he steps out of the world. Now, he still has to go work a job. So be at work tomorrow. He still has to work a job. Still has to do all. He still has to. So he still, not, not that he, can, he doesn't have to work in the world. But now this whole world, as the Christian gets closer to Christ and removes himself, they begin to pursue the Christian. Hey, we as a church, we're happy stepping out of this world for a Wednesday night Bible study, aren't we? We, you know, I, I've been preaching this a lot. I like what I am. I'm a Bible believer, and I like it. I'm an independent Baptist, and I like it. I don't run from the word fundamental. I don't run from the word soul winning. I don't run from the words king. I don't run from the word holiness or separation or standards. I like it because it allows me to do more for Jesus. It's a fact. So, but you know what happens? The more you become like Christ... The closer we get to Christ's return, the more the world is going to pursue the Christian. Pursue those who are like Christ. You know why? Because they stick out. You know what happens now when a Christian is in the world? He's not doing what he used to do. The world still is. This is the Spirit of God. This is why it's important for you and I to understand that we should just try to get as close to Christ as we possibly can. And you can't do it without leaving some aspects of the world behind. Because now the Holy Spirit that's in him puts him under conviction and him under conviction and him under conviction and him under conviction. And you know what the world has to do? We, have to re we either have to get saved ourselves or we've got to remove the conviction. Jesus, I read the scripture quickly because we've got so much to read tonight. Jesus was saying, I came and the people, they didn't realize how big of a sinner they were until I came. They didn't realize they were sinners like they are until my father sent me. And now because they realize their sin, they hate me. Don't be discouraged. Say, well, it, it gets so difficult because we have the position and, 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 and some hate us for it. They hated Jesus. Christians have got to decide, are we in a popularity contest or, or are we wanting to be as pure as we possibly can be? Now, I'm not trying to make enemies, but Jesus certainly had them. So that, that's the persecution. It, they pursue him. So no matter where he goes, that world is going to pursue why they, so they can afflict, so they can persecute. You ever been at a 
family function, you haven't seen family in a while, and minding your own business, and somebody wants to give you a hard time or make a big deal, what is that? Say, I, I was just minding my own business. It's persecution. Thank you, man. Y'all could be seated. So you're in the world, and God changes things in your life. It, they pursue you. Okay, here's the last one. I'm out of time. I hope this is making sense tonight. Here's, no, I have two more. Sorry. I'm going to hurry. We must endure infirmities. We've talked about how the world hated Christ. There's trials, there's tribulations. Why? So that we can become closer to Christ, that man of sorrows. We must endure infirmities. These are things in our body that take away our strength or cause us great physical pain. I think this will help you tonight. God is not allowing infirmities into your life to punish you. He was a man of sorrows. He, 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 he has, for our heart to be in tune with him, sometimes we have to endure things that cause us sorrow. And there are times when God allows infirmities in our life because of what it, because it draws us more into submission to the Lord. Paul had that thorn in the flesh. He asked for God to remove it. And Jesus said, in, in, in God said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, you, you, when you have good health, you depend on that health, don't you? And when you lose your health, you make statements to, like this to people who still have their health. Don't take that health for granted. Don't take it for granted. Or you're at a certain stage in your life and you see somebody young, eating a certain way, acting a certain way. Oh, it's going to catch up with you. How did I get on old age? I'm talking about infirmities. Maybe the same thing. But sometimes God allows things in our life, you know what, because we have to depend on him. Now I can, if you'll allow me to just to give a brief testimony, I, I can tell you that I'm a better pastor because of some trials I've been through. Because through those trials, God removed things from me that needed to be removed. If we endure tribulations, there is a blessing awaiting us, not just on the other side, but I believe on this side. There are those who run from tribulations. They, they persecute. That's the thing now, especially with, 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 with social media and online. It's just find somebody and we get them canceled. But when you can't be canceled, they can't hurt you. What do I mean by that? I'm not here to be popular. I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. As a church, we're here to reach this world with the gospel. And in, 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 in that vein of thinking God allows infirmities to come. Why? Because it makes us closer to him. You know, when you have, you can just bounce out of bed and do whatever thing you do, uh, but when you get some infirmities, you got to say, oh Lord, you got to help me. You got to help me. And then I mentioned the last one, we must accept chastisement. You can write this reference down, Hebrews 12, 1 through 11, the word chastise means to train with pain or sorrow inflicted. An easy illustration is children are trained with punishment, chastisement. You ever said or thought or said to somebody else about somebody else's kid? I'll tell you what that boy needs. He just needs a whooping. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what they need. Boy, I could I could send them home with me for a day. Their behavior will be different. And 
by the response. Many of you must have been saying that. Okay. We have a heavenly father. And let me just help us all tonight. You ain't as well behaved, child, as you think you are. And let's be honest. We need chastisement. God wants us to be so much like his son that he'll allow us to go through things that are hard and difficult so that it helps us be more like his son. We understand this world hates us, but we also need to understand that God allows us to go through trials so that we can be purified. We must endure tribulations. This world is going to afflict God's people. Endure it. Endure it. You know, I, I'm confident in my position in Scripture. You should be too. I just don't, I, this person says they just don't believe. That's, that's on them. That ain't on me. I'm confident in this. I'll endure the tribulations because Jesus went to the cross and paid for my sins. Um, there's persecution. People are going to go out of their way. This world system is going to go out of their way to persecute infirmities. Infirmities. God allows infirmities to come in our life. See, Pastor, that infirmity came and I can't do what I used to do. All I can do is pray. Like that's a bad thing? I get it. It's not what we used to do. It's not what we would like to do. But sometimes God uses some infirmities in our life to get us as close to Him in a way that we can only get close to Him in that way. Then we accept chastisement. You, know, you think about this, when Jesus went to the cross, he was punished or chastised for the sins of every man. He didn't do anything wrong. But our Heavenly Father will chastise us. So I don't understand why God's doing this to me. You ever thought about what we really are? And how short we fall to the, come to the standard of Jesus Christ? Well, I think I'm doing everything okay. This is what I get. This is, this is how I That mentality is how I get it every time. Scripture says to bring every thought into captivity. Some of you are so scattered brain, there ain't no way that's happening. I was just daydreaming. Bring every thought into captivity. Sometimes we can control our actions, but if people knew what we were thinking, I didn't say it, but I was sure thinking. Bring every thought into captivity. That's a pretty high standard. We must accept chastisement. God uses the elements of sorrow to perfect us unto himself. If you really want to be closer to God, be careful when you ask him for a closer relationship. Because let me tell you how it comes. It comes through sorrow. Because God can do only do through sorrow. There's some things that God can only do through sorrow because that's the only thing that breaks us. That's the only thing that magnifies the weakness in our mind. He doesn't do it to hurt us or punish us, but that is how we can be acquainted with Christ through sorrow. You think of some of the great characters of Scripture, and I'm almost done. Every one of them had sorrow. Paul said it in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection 
Well, aren't you thankful for the resurrection that you and I will take place in one day because of his resurrection? What is it? The power of his resurrection. That's salvation. Aren't you thankful for salvation? How many of you would agree with him? He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Don't you want to know him in that way? The verse goes on, though. And the fellowship of his sufferings. It is easy. And if you don't know what this means, you're better off. But it's easy to hashtag Christ follower. I got a bracelet. That's easy. But let a trial come into your life. Let him work on you so that you become more like Christ. What about when the tribulations come? Do you love him or do you just love him when he's feeding the 5,000? Are you willing to stand at the foot of the cross and be identified with him? Those infirmities come. I understand the prayer of Paul's prayer. Remove this, remove this. In Paul's mind, how much more could I do if I didn't have this affliction? How much more could I do if I didn't have this infirmity that limits me? But I would submit to you that Paul would not have preached with the power he preached with if he didn't have that infirmity. Some of you, you wouldn't be who you are if you didn't have the infirmities God allowed you to have. I've learned this about myself. I, I, maybe you can say the same thing. I know what my weaknesses are. And they're probably very similar to yours. Because we all have pride. We all have too, times we don't depend on God and we have too much faith in ourselves. But God has a way of putting us through a fire. God has a way of allowing us to be afflicted so that we're reminded, i got to have him. It's all about him. Every young man who kneels at an altar and surrenders their life to God to preach the gospel, to give their life to God, that's going to be tested. But I can remember several years ago when big opportunities were put in front of me. Well, God wouldn't have, that must have been God's will. Okay, Jonah. What is it? It's a testing. Do you trust God or not? Christian, apply this, however, we need to apply it tonight. Follow it away. Uh, I want to be like Christ. I want to love like he loves. I do too. You have to experience sorrow to love that way. I want to forgive. You have to experience the sorrow. We can be acquainted with Christ, but it comes through sorrow many, many times. Father, help us as we 